Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untraded Media Podcast. This is episode 85. We will be ranking the top 10 best moments so far in the DCEU or the DC Cinematic Universe, whatever we want to call this. Um, basically, just any of our favorite, the top 10 favorite moments that we've had so far. However, this does exclude um, the Joker. Joker is, they've, at least for now, I made it clear that this is separate from the DCEU, although we've had the discussion plenty of times that we think they might eventually rope it in and make that Pattinson's Batman. Um, But that will not be on the list. So basically anything DC-related from Man of Steel up until Birds of Prey we will be covering for the most part. Um, Before we get into that, Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm chilling like a villain. It's, uh, you know... It's Memorial Day weekend and all that nonsense. So, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I don't know if you've gone back to work yet or not. Nope. But I have to. Yeah, I didn't think so. Sports hasn't hasn't started back up yet. So, um, but yeah, no, I I I have to work. I'm real thrilled about it. Well, better than no work. Also true. But yeah, we have a lot to go over with some. Really, really big news, of course. So, uh, before we get into that, Josh, have you been watching anything? I have ish. <laughs> Let me guess. I'm guessing by the memes that you've been posting on various social medias, uh, you've been watching the last Airbender on Netflix. Uh, well, no, I haven't because uh, a I've already watched it all the way through. I think maybe six times. Um, so it's one of those, like I, I've seen, it. it's great. It's a fantastic show. I just, I don't know if I can watch it again, uh, but the main reason is cause I'm mid season two on rebels. So oh. <laughs> yeah, a little hard to drag my attention away because things are starting to get really intense. Good. I still think the season two finale is my favorite episode. They ever I, did. If it is what I remember it as it, it's my favorite. Yes. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I've also been, I started watching, I mean, I don't think you're aware of it cause I'm pretty sure you canceled your WWE subscription, but I they, will resume it once the full undertaker last ride thing is I'll binge that all in one sitting. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, I just started watching, uh, the second episode on that. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I've heard it's I really mean, good. It's just. I'll just like shell out the money for one month so I can watch it all in one sitting as opposed to just don't even know when part three comes out. So uh, part three is already out. I believe I didn't think it was. I, I thought I saw it on there uh, this morning when I was started watching weird. So yeah, yeah I'll look into that. It's cool, uh, you watching anything else? Uh, I finished up last dance uh, with uh, the Michael Jordan and the, the whatever series. I've not watched a single episode of that. That's fine. It does. Like, it looks interesting to me. I just don't have ESPN plus. I actually did for a little bit, but then I got ESPN plus literally the week before the virus hit. No. Thinking there'd be sports. There's not. So I'm like, well, we have no sports. I'll just go back to my regular Disney plus bundle. Yeah. And it's, that's the other thing. I think they, unless you're like a fight person, like UFC and stuff, like UFC added a ton of stuff on, on to the ESPN plus app, uh, app, but it didn't, it's not, it's in general, you can kind of useless. Yeah. That 
I didn't see a whole lot of stuff that really grabbed me. I mean, it seemed fine, but um, I'm a big baseball person, and their baseball content was very lacking. In general, their content is very lacking. Yeah, which is why they want WWE so badly. Yeah. You watch anything? Um, I watched something in preparation for this week um, that I won't say I've come full circle, but my... Or that my opinion has changed on it, but my thoughts watching it changed. Uh, I went back and watched Batman versus Superman for our discussion this week. However, mm-hmm. I did not watch the theatrical version. I watched the like the ultimate cut, like the director's cut. Yeah. Um, and it was very complicated for me. Um, I remember when Heather and I saw Batman versus Superman in theaters, I hated it. And I hated it for a lot of years. Um I wouldn't say those feelings have changed. I've just had a new feeling added to it. Um, I will say I hate, I still hate Batman versus Superman, but the extended cut is significantly better. At least it makes it at least a little bit better. The story elements uh, get like resolved and figured out a lot easier of like, well, why are they butting heads or what's Luther's plan? Like a lot of the story elements get patched up. It's still very, very, very shaky from a narrative standpoint. Um, but this time around, I wasn't nearly as mad so much as I was incredibly sad, but not for the reason Zack Snyder wants the audience to be sad. Like it's a dark and brooding story for sure. Um, rewatching it made me really, really just sad as a Superman fan because of how much Superman just gets crapped on in the movie and you'll be like, but that's the point. No, 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 no. Hear me out. I'm sad because how much Zack Snyder is just crapping on what the character is supposed to stand for of I'm fine with the character getting beaten down so long as they get their ultimate. They have to they have to have the rise moment like Cap after he lifts Thor's hammer gets the crap beat out of him. But then he gets the Avengers assemble moment. And everyone's behind him or Rocky obviously gets beat down or he comes back up. They just keep pounding Superman into the ground from an emotional standpoint of you're the bad guy, you're the bad guy, everything you do, how dare you try and help us, we're strong enough. It's like when you try and help somebody up and they just push your hand away. It's like, how dare you try and help me up? They paint Superman even before he dies as just the villain to the point of when he does die at the end, it's almost just like a, well... This world never meant anything to me. I don't care if I live here anymore. And to see such a beloved character get to that point is just really, really hard to watch. And not because I think he intentionally made it sad. I think it's just really sad to see the treatment of it and knowing the direction. Like, Zack Snyder can redeem himself with our first news topic that we'll talk about in a little bit here. Uh, He can redeem himself a little bit with the conclusion of the story of like this three-story arc that he had for Superman. But watching Batman versus Superman, I'm still really mad about a lot of it, but it just makes me more sad than anything else just because of how much they beat the character down and he doesn't end up getting any resolution. And people are like, well, that's realistic. I'm like, Superman, for almost all this movie, has lost hope and faith in the human world. That is against everything Superman is. He has to have hope. That's the point of the character. And you actually set that up in Man of Steel, but you're contradicting yourself in Batman versus Superman. It's like, it's gritty and realistic. I'm like, you're missing the point of the character, which, let's be honest, it's not the first time Zack Snyder's missed the point of a character. Correct. (laughs) Batman and guns. Yeah. 
it's just the ultimate cut. If you have, if you have to watch Batman versus Superman, I would definitely say watch the ultimate cut, even though, and we'll talk about this with our first news topic. Runtime is an issue that Zack Snyder will often face because he thinks he needs to put in all this stuff that doesn't really need to happen. Even with three hours as runtime, it still feels way too bloated and a lot of stuff that can be cut out. And I'm sure this thing that he's got coming out next year also does not need to be as long as it's going to be. Oh, Nathan, what possibly could you be talking about? That's a perfect segue into our first news topic and probably no hyperbole here. One of the biggest news stories we have ever talked about on this podcast. And it's a day that honestly, that I never thought we'd get to. And I have so, so many conflicting emotions here. Um, a lot of negative, but also a lot of positive in this too. Um, that, uh, Warner Brothers has given the green light to Zack Snyder to finish up his cut of Justice League uh, that he never got to finish and will be released on HBO Max. Um, For all those people thinking this is extensive reshoots, he's already shot everything that he was going to shoot. It's just spending the 20 to $30 million on visual effects and uh, from what I've heard, maybe some extra ADR work, like voiceover for people that are already in the movie. That's it. Um, I have a lot of emotions all across the board naturally on this. Uh, But before we get into that, Josh, I want you to kick us off on this. What What are your thoughts about them announcing the Snyder Cut for HBO Max? I think I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if I ever thought this day would come. Uh, I don't think we ever needed it to come. But <laughs> I, because I think the big thing with Batman v Superman has almost always been, uh, at least with, especially with Justice League, um, is everybody's like, well, if we would have gotten the true Snyder cut, it would have been peak, like super potential and good and blah, 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 which in all, in all honesty right now, Justice League is pretty good. I mean, it's not perfect by any stretch. It's pretty what, slow Snyder cut times. fans like have their ears plugged into their, what well, have their finger in the ears just going, la, 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 I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Is the fact that Justice League has a higher critic review than both man of steel and batman versus superman yeah absolutely and, and actually has I, a higher I, audience rating too it does and I, that's why like a, i don't know why we need it um so i come to a conclusion of being kind of torn of i don't think that this needs to happen it seems like somebody is just kind of like well we can't have any movies come out for a while. So let's just give snack Zack Snyder all the footage again and pay him some money. And he'll just come out with a new cut just so, you know, for content's sake. And, but the other part of me is genuinely curious as to what he would have done differently. Um, and if it would even matter. So, I mean, cause if it's good, like really good. I'll shut up about Zack Snyder, <laughs> but that's the, the same- thing. I also rewatched man of steel, uh, for this week's episode too. And I still yep. love man of steel. Well, 70% of man of steel. I'll say, yeah, 
I think it's yeah. so unbalanced of the first half. It's so exposition and character story setting up with no action. And then the second half is all action that there's no time to breathe. And yes. Reckless action at that. So Man of Steel, great. Batman vs. Superman, I've made my thoughts known about that. I think something Snyder Cut fans also seem to forget is Zack Snyder has always been an incredibly polarizing director. His fans seem to think that, like, if you don't get his films, you just don't get it. Everyone should love Zack Snyder. Every single Zack Snyder film has about 50-50 shot of people liking it or not. Man of Steel, very polarizing. You and I both enjoy it, but we get why people don't. Batman vs. Superman, even more polarizing. More people didn't like it. Um, But that doesn't just extend to superhero stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people like it. I personally hate 300 a lot. I don't like that movie. Um, And I know that was mixed reactions. Sucker Punch, very mixed reactions. Um, So he's a very divisive filmmaker. I think the big issue with Zack Snyder has been he's always style over substance. I was telling it to Heather and she completely agreed of Zack Snyder wants to create, recreate iconic comic book panels but doesn't want to put in the work to recreate those storylines. Oof. That's tough. Yeah. Because it's just like, look at this shot that was in the comics. Look at this shot that was in the comics. Look how cool this shot looks. Well, they're hollow moments because they're not built up right. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Man of Steel, Superman, flying for the first time. It is on my top 10 list. You can't tell me that moment's earned. No. It just kind of happens, and it's wonderful, but if it's earned or he has to discover for himself in a moment of hero of heroism, there we go, that's the word, it makes it more impactful. Or just like, you agree, I think you missed the point of The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing that frustrates me, though, the most about this, and I'll get to, don't worry, I have some positive thoughts about this, but I'll get to them in a little bit. I think what frustrates me the most about this is it almost feels like Warner Brothers is rewarding bad behavior because no one has bothered me more over the past few years. This includes Star Wars fans. No one has bothered me more recently over the past few years than Snyder Cut fans because they're so trashing of Justice League and but don't get me wrong Justice League is not a perfect movie but I've already seen on social media people burning their copies of Joss Whedon's Justice League because they're like this isn't the real copy anymore I'm like guys don't you think you're taking a little bit too far but also post after post literally anything Warner Brothers or HBO Max ever posted every single comment was release a Snyder Cut to the point of this really pissed me off of Warner Brothers had something either on Facebook or Twitter about like honoring some um, production assistant or makeup artist or somebody that had been in the industry for decades that they had passed away and that they were honoring them. And literally every comment was, release the Snyder Cut. I'm like, guys, have some tact. This is not the place to do that. And so yeah. <laughs> like every single time they would bombard the comments. I'm like, guys, it's awesome if you're passionate about this. I it's cool that you have so much passion for this, but at the same time, show a little courtesy here. And I know Warner Bros. is hearing you. If they don't want to release it, that's okay. If they want to release it, that's fine too. 
But a lot of the Snyder Cut fans that I've seen were just absolute jerks about it and just bullied anybody. Like, at certain parts of the internet, I'm afraid to say that I like Joss Whedon's Justice League. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Because Snyder fans just scare me so much, even more so than Star Wars fans. And that's saying something. It's Yeah, I (laughs) because Star Wars fans are legitimately the worst. Yes, they are. Um, Well, Snyder Cut fans are up there. Like, uh, it's... I'm worried that this might say, set a dangerous precedent. I think there's some positives, and I'll get, I promise I'll get to them. But there's already discussions of people going, well, now will we see the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad? If this does well, will Zack Snyder finish out his Justice League movies with Justice League Part 2 and Part 3? I'm like, guys, can you not just be thankful that you're getting just this, and then we'll work from there? I think, but that is, in my view, that is a very legitimate question of, is this them being like, no, like now we're going to rewrite history. Like, does this alter the timeline? Does the, like, what does this do for DC? I think it being on HBO Max doesn't change anything. I think this is a great publicity stunt for HBO Max. I don't think it changes anything about DC canon. I, I, I really hope so. But yeah, I... D- it makes me worried because we were starting to build up this good rapport with Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. The Batman looks fantastic of like getting away from the Snyder world and the darkness that that had. And we're kind of going back to that. Um, I don't know. I'm just not too fan, not too big of a fan of almost rewarding this mob mentality. Um, but okay. I want to, I really want, as much as I've not been a fan of Zack Snyder's, I really want to present both sides to this. I think that's only fair. So I want to break down some positives that I think um, can be out of this. I have heard that this is more optimistic and more in line with traditional characters than Batman versus Superman. They've He said that Just League was never meant to be as dark as Batman vs. Superman. It was supposed to be his Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, okay, at least we're not getting that dark again. Um, Yeah. I think it's cool. His style is not for everyone. It's not for me. But um, it's cool with me that Zack Snyder gets to finish out this trilogy that he started with, especially considering the tragedy that happened to him in real life and that he had to depart the project at all due to the family tragedy. I'm glad that Warner Brothers is letting him come back and finish this. It's not like they have to reshoot anything. It's all just special effects. I think that's really, really cool. Um, we know for a fact that we will be getting Dark Side at least in a little bit for this movie. Fantastic. Um, very great. I love Dark Side. I don't think he's the main villain for this, but it'll be cool to see him at least in any small capacity. Um, the design for Steppenwolf, I guarantee you, will be better. Um more Ben Affleck's Batman, which maybe will be a good thing. But to me, here's the biggest positive out of all this. We are guaranteed more Henry Cavill Superman. Oh, yeah, at least in this film. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I promise we'll get to that. I know where you're going. All aboard the hype train, my man. I'm not going to lie. And we'll talk about it in just a second here. When I saw that rumor across our Facebook timeline, I almost started to weep going, don't, don't give me that hope. Like Hawkeye. (laughs) I've been down this path before. Don't do it to me, but I like the pain, but we'll get there in a second. Um, so yeah, we're guaranteed at least some more time with the people that we like, like Henry Cavill, Superman, 
Um, so long as he's not having any guns, Ben Affleck's Batman. I, there's interesting potential here. And I think it'll be more cohesive, for better or for worse, along with his other movies. If nothing else, we get to see what his overall arc is. And then once this movie's done, we can get past it. Because as much as we've been making good progress with DC movies ever since we moved away from the dark direction, there's always been that dark cloud of annoying fandom going, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. I think now that this is actually happening, hopefully this should quiet them down going, yes, he's able to finish his project and now he's left for other things. Okay? Good. Yeah, now, yeah absolutely. And That's before we get the to hope. the Superman thing, I think it's odd that they're like, this could either be a four-hour movie or split into six episodes across different weeks. As much as it pains me to say, I hope it sticks to be a four-hour movie, which in what world is a four-hour movie justified for Justice League that hasn't been set up well? Um, but I want a movie in one sitting more so than a series because you edit and splice up a series differently than you would a movie. And I think it would hurt the flow because when he's setting up this narrative, he didn't intend it to be split up like a TV show. And so I think it might hurt the flow if it's broken up into little chunks as opposed to one big chunk. Yeah. I, mm, but also four hours is still too much. It wasn't see, but it wasn't too much for a Lord of the Rings extended cut. Even then, I don't think Lord of the Rings is four hours. The extended cut, I'm pr- here. I'll, I'll live live Google it, but I'm pretty sure extended cut Lord of the Rings is four is at least three and a half. But that had a big source material, but also was the end of a big trilogy that had already long movies of a bunch of narratives that you had to tie in. Yeah, uh, this which feels like Zack Snyder's trying agree. to like direct a whole bunch of different movies into one movie. Yeah, and I, I to be fair, I don't say this often, but I'll defend Zack Snyder here. It feels like he has to play catch up, whether we want to admit it or not. Warner Brothers kind of forced him to play catch up with the MCU for better for worse. So I feel like he is trying to make this long epic because he wants to do these storylines that were not allowed the time. Yeah to be put in the yeah. universe ahead of time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, the only, the only one that's over four hours is return of the King, but that, that it's over by 11 minutes, which is like that multiple ending stuff that happens in the end. But yeah, that's big source material, an already big world with a lot of narratives that had to be woven together. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I Don't get wrong, I'm to, curious about this project. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, I'm curious as to what this is going to look like, if it's going to be good or better than than the Joss Whedon cut, even though I just watched it recently and it's it's fun. It's entertaining. I mean, heaven forbid some, a superhero movie be fun. What? No way. And they actually <laughs> do heroics instead of, you know, just talking about heroics. That's mm, that frustrates me about Zack Snyder. I'm just going, you're a hero. You're this, that, or the other thing. Then show them doing that thing and don't just do your in, uh, intro to philosophy class. Yeah. It's like you're not actually as deep as you think you are. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff happens with superheroes, unfortunately. Uh, uh, but I, as a whole, I'm mixed, but I'm... 
cautiously optimistic, and I'm glad this thing is happening just because, cool, Zack Snyder, you're not my favorite, but I'm happy that you get to finish your story. Um, Snyder Cut fans, happy for you. That's awesome. Now, can we please just be nice to each other from here on out? Please. This got really ugly at times. Yeah, let's. I'm I'm ready for this to be over, just so we can move on. And I'm tired of people being like Ben Affleck is the best end all be all. I love Ben Affleck's Batman, but do I? I have some major issues with it. Yeah. Okay. Let's get this out of the way. No character performance of any character will ever be perfect. Yes, we say that about like except for J. John Jameson. That's perfect. Um. Nothing will ever be perfect. There's always some things that can be improved. Hugh Jackman, too tall. Um, These are always these little things that can be changed. And there's always room for improvement. And if you think you're not, you're fooling yourself. Like, people love Michael Keaton's Batman. There's some weak areas. Uh, Christian Bale, there's some weak areas. But overall, they're different types of Batman. So... You're going to have different incarnations, and that's totally fine. Yeah, and I think people – I see all the hate for this new um, – for this new uh, the band film, and people are like, oh, but it's not Affleck. It's not – you know, it, it's, it's – And people the, seem to think not. Affleck was fired. It's just like, are you, is your head that much in the sand? Affleck left to take care of his own personal demons, and for him – that's awesome. I'm glad you saw that you needed that help and you were mature enough to step away. That's good for you. People have these like tinfoil hats thinking he was fired. Jeff Johns fired, got him removed from the Batman. It's like, no, Ben Affleck himself has said he couldn't do another one of these because of the pressure that in- entails. Yeah, and his his alcoholism was starting to get out of, out of, out of hand. That's I'd much like, rather I have a healthy part- Ben Affleck than another Ben Affleck Batman movie. Yes. I, uh, I, it's actually, I had that whole conversation with my dad because he was like, I just want them to have just one Batman. And I was like, I mean, I get that, Dad. I understand. But Ben Affleck had to leave because of the blah, 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 blah. So it was, yeah. But we've had a billion Batmans. So far, we've only had three live-action Superman movies. The three live-action Superman actors in the movies. And it looks True. like... We might be able to keep it that way for a while. Let's go. I'm going to say it again. All aboard the hype train. (laughs) I'm sorry I left the hype train. I'm back on it now. Um, So this you're going to need to take with a grain of salt because I don't like where this source is coming from. But I'm not going to just be all excited because it's something I want to hear and make me automatically trust an otherwise iffy source. but there are some rumors floating around that in a not-too-distant future, maybe within the next couple of weeks, Henry Cavill will officially be announced to be returning as Superman in some capacity. Uh, these reports are coming from Grace Randolph, who um, is an online film pundit, who, it, to me, is kind of like the heroic Hollywood. She gets a lot of stuff right, she gets a lot of stuff wrong. I don't necessarily always agree with her opinions on a lot of stuff, but... I respect her place in the industry, so I think she lends a little bit more credibility than Joe Schmo podcast number 89 or something like that. Um, or even we got this covered. Well, 
a raccoon that I've met on the side of the road, I believe, more than we got this covered. <laughs> because even wrong, raccoons man. know what's crap. Oh, that's. I did not upsetting. set that up. That just happened to work out. That's upsetting. I'm going to hang my head on that one. That was. Yeah. That worked that too was, well. That, uh, yeah, I'm sad now. I'm so sad. <laughs> but, but hey, if, if this means we get Cavill back, um, honestly, Ca- uh, Cavill acting against uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman would be definitely be something I would be really down to see. There's been discussions for a while now, and I'm talking years, that The Rock has wanted Henry Cavill's Superman so that he can square off against Black Adam. Which would, again, that would be something that, that would be amazing to watch. I would cry tears of joy because, let's be real, Shazam 2 is going to happen before Man of Steel 2. Just because they're further along in the development process that's already been officially greenlit, everything else. If the end credits of Shazam 2 is the return of Henry Cavill Superman talking to Billy. <laughs> yep. Like, I don't... Just the prospect of Henry Cavill coming back to the point that even me, who is like his most ardent defender and I love Henry Cavill Superman, was getting to the point that I was doubting whether or not we'd ever see him again. I think the talk of the Snyder Cut has really opened the eyes of Warner Brothers. So another positive in favor of the Snyder Cut. Um, I think this really opened Warner Brothers' eyes going... People really responded to Henry Cavill Superman. They may not have always loved the movies he was in, but they're responding to this character. So maybe we need to take another crack at Superman. Or maybe they're coming to their senses realizing, how are you going to do comic book movies and not have a Superman somewhere existing in a universe? Yeah. How, and how do you have Shazam but not Superman around? Like that's... Well, but like, technically you, Superman was in Shazam. But no, okay, but 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 you you get my point. Like, given the history of Shazam comics, like how wild it would be if Shazam exists in the DCEU and Superman does not. <laughs> I'm hoping for if he's in is end up in ugh, if he does end up being in Shazam too, we kind of get a Spider-Man moment in Civil War of like we get the trailer and then it just ends with Superman flying in. I would game over, ball game. I'm done. I, I'm just die happy. I'm good. But then you'll have those Snyder Cut fans going. So Snyder's coming back for Man of St- another Superman. I will always be excited for more Henry Cavill. I'll be more excited if we found out it was a different director doing it. Let's go, uh, Brad Bird. Yeah, way to be steal my idea there. You're welcome. <laughs> Maybe that's a podcast episode. If this Henry Cav, if Henry Cavill does get confirmed to come back, we might do like a top five directors we would like to see do a Superman movie. Or yeah, absolutely. Quentin Tarantino presents Superman kills some people. No, no, no. Starring Samuel L. Jackson as Brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> or better yet, Samuel L. Jackson as so Jimmy much. Olsen. Uh. Wait, do you mean Jimmy Olsen will actually exist? Well, uh, okay. Unfortunately, in DC, in the DCEU right now, Jimmy Olsen is dead. He got shot in Batman vs. Superman, but... They, they never say his name, do they? They do. Oh, they do in the extended on. cut. For some reason, yeah. Jimmy, they say Jimmy Olsen by name and that he's a CIA operative. Get out of here! It's like, Zach, if you didn't want to use these characters... 
You didn't have to. You just don't have to include him in the movie. You don't have to just kill him off willy-nilly. Batman. But that's a, mm-hmm. that's a future movie that I don't think will ever actually happen. Yeah, I... Mm, okay. Just the return of Henry Cavill. It's the good news that we've all needed. And not the some good news because that's not a thing anymore. Um, But topic for another day. If If the Superman thing happens... Be on alert, people, because you might hear me screaming from the top, the highest <laughs> peak that I can find, which in Florida might be like 15 feet above sea level. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll hear you from Tennessee. <laughs> and just go, there's been a disturbance in the force. The force. <laughs> As if thousands, millions of voices suddenly cried out and were suddenly pleased. <laughs> I don't know if that's the phrasing you want to use there, bud. <laughs> Could be worse. Be like, guys, we've come to our senses. Jesse Eisenberg is our new Superman. So anyway, um, Warner Bros. has made stupider choices, but I I have hope again. I lost it for a little bit that we'll never see him again. I'm back on the train. I I hope by this time next month we can definitively say, um, that Henry Cavill is our new Superman, which. We're it's still up in the air, but we might have something Superman related for next week's five good things. Potentially. Potentially. There's an idea that I have to float by Josh that's so bad it might be good. I swear to God, if you try to make me watch Quest for Peace, I will murder you straight out. I have not watched Quest for Peace yet. I'm waiting until HBO Max because I'm weird and I have the DVD copy. I want to watch it in HD. It's so fair. But no, it's not that. Um But I'll leave you guys hanging on that. We talked a lot today about HBO Max, the upcoming streaming service. Well, HBO Max has, ahead of its release on Wednesday, they've released their, quote-unquote, like, opening day movie lineup or, like, titles that you can watch on the first day. And, oh, my goodness. If you are not Netflix or Disney+, Plus, you might be screwed because... HBO Max ain't messing around when it comes to opening day. So Dude, you get really everything isn't. that comes with HBO already. So like Watchmen, Game of Thrones. Um, I've been watching John Adams, which is pretty good. Um, anything Warner Brothers, a lot of old classics. So I'm just going to go through some of the major names that come with HBO Max at launch. They're going to, of course, add more stuff, but... Just stuff that you can get day one. I, I'm not going to lie. It kind of rivals what you can get on Disney Plus in terms of how much stuff there is. Let's see. You've got 2001 A Space Odyssey, the original Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, Ben-Hur, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Dirty Harry, Dr. Shivago, Footlight Parade. Oh, Freaks. Todd Browning's Freaks. Uh that's not one the whole family will enjoy, but it's a good old school horror movie. <laughs> with the, um, it's not dude, very, like Pride, like Pride and Prejudice, like the this Maltese Falcon. I'm just going down here. the old school ones for right now. Maltese Falcon, North by Northwest, um, all the Stars Born movies, if that's your thing, uh, Wizard of Oz, and then we got some newer stuff like Aquaman, Mask of the Phantasm. That's I already had my subscription, but. Guys, just calm yourself. I can only get so excited with this. Um, <laughs> both parts of The Dark Knight Returns. It's going to be weird 
knowing that those are two separate parts. I was just watching them together. Um, I do too. Um, what's weird too is I'm seeing it looks like they're going to have all of the animated movies on here as well. Which makes me very nervous about DC Universe, but we could talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah. Blade Runner, uh, Crazy Stupid Love, Crazy Rich Asians, all the DC movies, essentially Fantastic Beasts. Uh, not Harry Potter yet because that has a couple more years in whatever streaming contract it already has. But rest assured, when that expires, it will be on HBO Max because those are Warner Brothers movies. Um, <laughs> all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, Friday the 13th, It Chapter 2, Joker, the Lego movies, both Hairsprays, all, holy crap, there's seven Police Academy movies? Um, yes. Police Academy. Shazam, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, both the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Snakes on a Plane, go. no thanks. Um, Boy, let's go! <laughs> Sucker Punch, Suicide Squad, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, A Time to Kill, a whole bunch of stuff from the Criterion Collection that I'm sure is excellent, but I've never heard of any of these. Yes. I don't, uh, I don't... Oh, nope, never mind. I know I've heard of The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, let me see. I'm trying Going to see. I don't think I don't recognize. Uh, maybe Beauty and the Beast. Maybe, but eh. uh, I think it's a different one. Yeah, it's not that version. So I, I, I've, I've seen of several versions of it, but I don't know. Ooh, uh, the original Akira Kurosawa Seven Samurai. Ooh, that's that's something I will definitely check out. Same. Uh, because I've been, it, it's been on my list for a long, long, long time. Um, let's see. Let's Night see. of the Living Dead, Of Mice and Men, Oliver Twist. All of the Godzillas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I feel like Lord of, yes, Lord of the Rings will be there as well. I'll be interested to see if those are just the theatrical re- releases or what. The Jungle Book that still haunts my nightmares. Oh, is that the the, the live action one? one with every famous person ever? Like, oh, I love that one. Carrie Elwes, Lena Headey, um, Jason Scott Lee, and no, not gonna lie, people. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I haven't watched it in years because it is single handedly the reason why I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> yeah, that snake good- that King Louis has. Screw that. That's not in the book. Why? Why is it there? <laughs> There's so much stuff that happens like, in I've that movie. I've seen what the snake crazy. looks like now. And I'm just like, wow, that CGI is bad. And also, I'm not sleeping tonight because that just <laughs> brought back some repressed memories. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the Hidden Fortress, which I I need to see this because for those that don't know, the Heavy Fortress was that – the heavy fortress. Wow, my brain. The hidden fortress is one of George Lucas's biggest inspirations for Star Wars. That's actually where he got the yes. opening text crawl from. Yes. Uh, funny games. Eraserhead. Yeah, there's not a lot else. Um, well, in the that in, in the that Criterion section, collection that sorry. we know, but. Yes, sorry, because all, all there, the, you, the, weapon movies? The, the third party titles, holy crap. Yeah, there's so much, so many. Uh, dude, literally all of the. Oh, aliens. yeah, there it is. Okay, I've missed the third party stuff, but yeah. Um, all the alien movies American Pie, Annie Hall, Apocalypse Now, Armageddon, The Awful Truth, Babe, Where's Babe in the City? I, I need that. Um, 
Bridesmaids, Braveheart, Casino Royale. Uh, for some reason, the Mighty Ducks 2 and 3, oddly enough. Um, Die Hard. All the Die Hard. It seems like all the Die Hards. Eagle Eye, which, okay. I like Eagle Eye. I didn't know the critics didn't like Eagle Eye, so y'all can screw off. I like Eagle Eye, and I think it's really underrated. Uh, yeah. Dude, it's super good. Ella Enchanted? I, I thought that was Disney, but okay. Uh, Fast Five, and that's it for Fast and Furious? <laughs> uh, Goodwill um, Hunting, Gross Point Blank, Happy Death Day, your god-awful Hellboy. Um, I can ignore. I can fall asleep with during it. <laughs> it's a. Gr- it's like March of the Penguins. It's great to fall asleep to. Um, yeah, although like March of the Penguins is because of Morgan Freeman's voice. Yeah. Um, hey Arnold, <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. So I guess there is another Fast Furious. Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, the better one. Um, yep. Because Tim Curry makes everything better. Dude, I've been itching to see Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle. In Bruges was already in my queue for HBO Now. All the Dawes movies, you know at some point we have to do Jaws 4. No, why do you hate me? John Tucker Must Die. John Wick 3, but just John Wick 3 for some reason? Um, I think that's that's another situation where the oh, streaming... licensing rights, maybe? Yeah, licensing are, are is caught up with other streaming services right now. Like why there's only the first Kung Fu Panda? Exactly. Um, Land, Land Before, Before Time. Time. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I think they're going to have all Land Before Times. So I'm not sure. Oh, um, there is. There's the other Mighty Ducks down there. Oh, there it is. It's just weird. Uh, Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Yay. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Doubtfire. My neighbor Totoro. Which is, it's Totoro. Totoro, right? Uh, that's, uh, yep. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, that's a somebody's good tried to say it, Tortoro, and I was like, uh, what? Totoro. Totoro. <laughs> sure. Um, Notting Hill, an officer and a gentleman, once upon a time in the West, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. It says Pet Cemetery. I don't know if it's the original or the remake. Uh, Pretty in Pink, Quantum of Solace. Ugh. Ready or not. Uh, Scary Movie 3. Interesting. Ooh. Shooter, Shutter Island, Slumdog Millionaire, Spirited Away. Um, Dude, there's so much Swingers, that list. thing you do Holy This cow. means war Transformers 2 Tropic Thunder True Lies <laughs> Twins Unfriended We're doing Van Helsing at some point Dang it um, <laughs> War of the Worlds X-Men Dark Phoenix Okay So yeah This is stuff That this Wednesday You'll be able to watch On HBO Max at launch And oh my goodness yeah, Warner Brothers ain't messing around. They're coming out of the gate swinging here. Dude, it, dude I just, oh my goodness. It's because I, I had a discussion with some people that they're just like, another streaming service. I'm like, no, you don't get it. I know HBO Max is a confusing name. You think it's just going to be HBO content. No, 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 no. This That's- is immediately going to be a player in the game, I think. I think so too. And uh, the big thing I think is. While Disney Plus is great, um, the age demographic is still something that that they're only aiming for a younger audience, it seems. And HBO Max, the name suggests it'll be more for adults, but don't get me wrong, there's still going to be a lot of content for kids. They're doing new versions of the Looney Tunes that aren't going to do the stupid Mickey Mouse route and change up the animation. It's still going to be the classic animation, just new stories, so that's good. Um, 
Not going to lie, one of the original shows that I'm really looking forward to is Not So Late Show with Elmo. What? Elmo is a late night talk show host, except because he's still a kid. It can't be super late at night. Oh, that's hilarious. So he's going to have different famous people. One of them is John Mulaney. I'm like, okay, I'm there. Let's go. I'm John Mulaney meets Elmo. I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. That's that's fantastic. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. Like what? Just yes, please. So, yeah, and they don't have a lot of original content at launch. But then again, neither did it's Disney HBO. Plus, and we let it pass. Um, and again, not a lot of stuff is in production right now. But rest assured, once things go into production again, there's going to be a lot of new content for HBO Max. So, yeah, this is. This is going to play in the streaming wars. Mark my words. That's the, the the thing, though, is with HBO, I, I feel like they don't necessarily need their own like original content because they, from what it seems like, they have the fifth twentieth uh, century Fox. They've got Warner Brothers. They've got like all this extensive, extensive library to choose from that these other streaming services are not going to have. So to transition from our current topic into our next topic, I have one question for you, Josh, to get you thinking. And I know that's always a dangerous topic for you, but I pose this hypothetical question. Christopher Nolan almost works exclusively with Warner Brothers. Like they have, I feel like they have an exclusivity deal with him. HBO Max is a big deal. Do you think Christopher Nolan would ever do a movie like an HBO Max exclusive original movie for them? Or is he too much of an old school person? I, I'd like to think that he's too much of an old school person. That's what I'm thinking too, which I've never, it's been a while since I've been so excited for a trailer as we're going to talk about today with the Tenant trailer, Christopher Nolan's next film, which is still kind of up in the air with its release date because right now it has not moved its original date. Everything else has more or less had to, to rele- change its release date, but Tenet has stayed steadfast where it is of July 17th. So not only is that an important date, it also could be like a major date for all of the film world as a lot of theaters aren't opening until there's movies to be released. So Tenet could be probably, without hyperbole, the most important movie of the year. And as far as drawing up interest for this movie, I think this trailer did exactly what it was supposed to do. I I, I think the... I don't know about you, but the one thing that kept, kept coming to mind was it feels like another Inception. Yes. Um... I feel like it's also similar to Inception in that I'm kind of confused by this movie, by the trailer, but I'm sure once I'm in the theater and watch it three or four times, I'll understand what's going on because you can't, it's not a concept that you can just explain in a trailer. But also I've appreciated that Nolan never gives away his movies in trailers, unlike a lot of other Warner Bros. movies, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Um, yeah, but also like that doesn't exactly. It was my issue with all of the Inception trailers. I couldn't get hyped for to go see Inception because I didn't. I like to know what things are about. Fair play. 
Um, I'm just blown away by the visual spectacle this movie seems to be yeah. of the reversing of everything. Because you know Nolan's all about practical stunts. So I'm still blown away every time I see it, the um, reverse shot of the car flipping over. The thing that got me was the uh, the bullet going back into the gun. The bullet going back into the gun, or if you notice carefully, the waves are going backward on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, cr- lots of crazy, crazy stuff. I'm so happy that Heather and I watched the trailer together, and she noticed it the exact same time as I did on the first time we watched it, the not-so-subtle Batman reference. Oh? Did you not catch it either? I don't think I did. So in the trailer, they go, um, from visionary director Christopher Nolan, the trailer keeps going, the director of the Dark Knight trilogy, and literally the next shot in the trailer is Robert Pattinson getting out of a limo. Oh, wow. No, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, go back That's and watch hilarious. the trailer. It goes from the, of the Dark Knight trilogy. So here's your old Batman, and now here's your new Batman. I'm like, okay, they had to have done that on purpose. Yeah. Which, okay, then we will shut up some Robert Pattinson haters. I promise you that now. He Honestly, I really liked him in this trailer. Yeah, he seems... I don't know. Like, I kind of trust him. I don't buy I that he's a hundred percent a good guy here. I, I agree, but I I like his performance. I think um, that plane stunt, I'm sure, is going to be insane in the movie. It's. I, I think I'm more excited for the actual practical effects slash stunts than I am actual film at this point. I'm curious about the premise. I'm always curious about Nolan's premises just because they're very unique and interesting. So for the most part, um, I'm very excited about Nolan movies. It's hard for me to say, but I think it has to be said. I don't think he needs a full-on redemption, but I'm really hoping this one's great because, and no offense to him, he hasn't had a truly great movie in a while. Yeah. Because Dunkirk is good, but definitely not upper tier. Interstellar, visually wonderful. Um, Again, not his strongest. Dark Knight Rises, very ambitious, but not his strongest. Yeah. It's I hope been, we can get more towards while. Inception and the Prestige. Like, I don't need them to be the greatest. I don't need this to be the greatest movie ever. I just... Like original, interesting action, and I hope we get back to that. Yeah, it's. I need like unique stuff. Like it, that, uh, in as much as I, I'm sitting here comparing it to Inception, like that's the kind of movie I think that no one does really well. And again, Michael Caine's in it, so fantastic. Like Michael Caine, yes. Um, and Kenneth Branagh's the bad guy. Okay, fine with me. <laughs> he does a good bad guy, so... <laughs> and he's playing a Russian, but okay. It'll be interesting. Uh, I, I I think this will be one of those movies I have to see in order to truly know how I feel about it, which is weird because sometimes I think I knew how I was going to feel about Rise of Skywalker going in, and I was right. I knew how I was going to feel about... Um, Wonder Woman. Um, I will I say, though, no, uh, I have no idea move on, how I'm going to feel about this. 
Huh? I has, I have no idea how I'm going to feel about this. I will say though, before we move on, I've never ever been so excited or so amped to see the words coming to cinemas. Yes, like he's so agree. he's been so steadfast. Of this is a movie that's meant to be seen in the theaters. I want it in theaters. We as a culture need to get back to the theaters. It's just like, yes, I miss going to the theaters and. Yes, I don't even care if this is bad. I I doubt it's going to be bad, but it's just like, yes, please let us come back to the movies, please. We've missed it yes. so. And AMC's going, please come back. <laughs> AMC, we don't want to close our doors anymore. Amazon's going, we got you, fam. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll take good care of you. Mm, I'm sure they will. Okay, so any other week, this would be a much higher ranking news topic. Uh, but clearly, some more important things came up. But I think this is still huge no matter what, because uh, this is one of the biggest movie re- the TV recastings ever. And it almost comes out of nowhere. Um, so Josh and I have not seen a single episode of Batwoman. Uh, no, actually, I may have seen one during the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, but um, the Batwoman TV series on CW has now just lost their Batwoman after one season. Um, yeah. That's not a good sign that CW has already said they're looking to recast. And I'm just going, um, I'm not going to lie, guys. You might want to cut your losses and just nix it. So I'm curious as to why was was there an article stating as to why she's leaving? Um, I've heard some different reports of it was kind of a mutual thing of the studio wasn't really digging her and she really wasn't digging um, the rigors of TV filming. That's fair because I mean she I can imagine she was really starting to appear in like every movie she was getting a lot of work and then you know being on tv you can't really be in movies at the same time yeah and then some people were like well she already had tv experience netflix tv is different than cable tv netflix tv is kind of you pick up when they need you whereas you're almost always filming for tv for cable tv yeah like there's more episodes than orange is the new black when she was on that um, I didn't see any of it. I don't know how she was. I know there's a lot of fan backlash. Uh, but I think the fan backlash to her casting, um, was twofold. Of it was either fans pissed that they cast a gay actress to play a gay character because I think they got Batwoman and Batgirl mixed up. Um, or there's some gay rights people that were mad because of really complicated reasons that I don't want to get into here that I'm just like, okay, that goes over my head and I don't understand. So I'll just kind of leave that one alone. Uh, I do find it interesting that CW has come out and said, our top priority is to find a gay actress to replace her. I'm going, um, good luck. Um, guys, I, I want, that's cool that you want representation for this character and do it right. But isn't acting pretending to be something that you're, not, I don't know. It's fine if you want to look for that, but that shouldn't be your top priority. 
you should your top priority should be find someone that's talented. Yeah, I mm, I don't understand that. I just think it's odd it, that after one season, at least they had a more amicable split than Stephen Amell from Arrow. That was ugly. Yeah. But then again, I, I kind of take Stephen Amell's side on that one of, you killed me off on someone else's show. Yeah. I have already seen some fan castings, and some of them I'm kind of really on board with. Did you ever see Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Rosa? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Let's go. I was like, okay, I'm down for that. I'm super down for that. Oh my goodness. I never even thought I would that's something I would want, but now I definitely want it. Because Andy Circus and not Andy Circus, Andy Sandberg would be a little bit too crazy. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. I'm just, come on, CW. This whole show has been mired in controversy since day one. And I don't know what the ratings are. Maybe they're great. Um, but I didn't think they ever really were particularly strong ratings. So I, I'm actually really surprised that CW is really sticking this out. But then again, is it just me or does CW like not cancel anything no matter what the ratings are? Unless it's Legends of Tomorrow. <clears throat> hey, that's still going, isn't it? I honestly have no idea. I don't because I know that had bad ratings too. Yeah, it's not. It's not a good show. Yeah, CW doesn't cancel anything, no matter how the ratings are. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the, that's true. It maybe I don't know. Maybe they will because Greg Berlanti's getting more and more stuff away from TV, and I'm because Greg Berlanti is the guy that more or less has created this whole Arrowverse. And he's the one doing the Green Lantern show on HBO Max. So I'm very concerned. Um, but I, this is such an odd development. It really did just come out of nowhere. But I will say, if this was a long lingering issue, props to everyone involved that this is just now the first we're hearing about it and they never let any tension get publicly known and they were able to focus on their work. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it would speak to the professionalism of, of Ruby. It's not like a Rise of Skywalker situation where we did the whole movie six months ago. Yeah. Hmm. Well, whatever. Um, moving on to our last news topic. I personally am really curious and very excited about this next prospect. Um, primarily because I didn't even know that... Jamie Lee Curtis apparently has her own production company, so good for her. Uh, and apparently her production company has just signed an exclusive first-look deal with Blumhouse. So basically, anytime she's making a movie, they get to take first crack at it of whether or not they want to make it. Which well, is cool. awesome, because apparently Jamie Lee Curtis will be directing an upcoming horror movie called Mother Nature, which will be produced by Blumhouse. Yes, 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 a thousand times Yes. Anything Jamie Lee Curtis, sign me right up and just, yes. I'm just glad to see Jamie Lee Curtis, like, embracing her horror heritage. So, question for you. Did you happen to look up at all what Mother Nature is supposed to be about? It's like an environmental movie is all I really got the gist of. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it's supposed to be about climate change. I don't know about you, but I hear a horror quote unquote horror movie about climate change. And I think stuff like days of tomorrow and stuff like that. 
my my mind immediately goes to a horror version of Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, I guess it's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> it's such a vague premise, I guess, that you could, you could really do almost anything with it. But no, absolutely, though. I'm, I'm a good on Jamie Lee Curtis for having her own production company, and good on Blumhouse for who has always been relatively good at spotting talent. Um, I, I, it's just really cool to have Jamie Lee Curtis directing and uh, in in that sort of game now. I love that she was has this attitude and she said in interviews, well, if I don't do it now, when would I ever do this? Like, well, let's give this a shot. If it's for me, I'll do it. If not, why not? Like, she's not afraid to fail, it seemed like. Um, yeah. I don't know if she's ever directed anything before. So I don't know I don't what so her style would be. Um, I, I love that it's sticking with horror, though, because of her Halloween connections, um, even that, her psycho connections. Scream Queens was, for the most part, pretty good, and she was fantastic in that. I, anything horror and Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm there. Just Jamie Lee Curtis in general, fantastic in Knives Out. She's going to be great in Mandalorian if she is actually in it. Um, just excited. Also, something that I feel like Blumhouse doesn't get the credit that they deserve is almost from the get-go, Blumhouse has been very progressive in who they hire to direct films. Yeah, they've, they don't they've also always, see headlines saying, hey, we hired a female director. They just hire who they think is going to be the best for the job. Yeah, and they don't try to get anybody to be like, hey, look at us. Yeah, they just try and they never go for the home run. They always go for the base hit up the middle. And nine times out of ten, it works. Sure, they have the yeah, Truth or Dare or the Black Christmas remake. But by and large, they... Don't make the big risky moves, and more often than not, they still come out financially successful, which allows them to keep making the successful projects. So, well, I mean, is one of my favorite production companies, one of my favorite creative minds in the business. This just seems like a great match, and I'm really, really excited about the prospect of this. Yeah, I would agree. It's um, it's <laughs> it's exciting. But like uh, that, that's, that's what I'm going to put down for. Okay. Just for fun, without even knowing anything about the story, top three actors you want in this movie. Go. Uh, let's go Liam Neeson. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Dang it! And, and uh, uh, Ella, Ella Fanning. Okay. Uh, I was going to go Jake Gyllenhaal as well because um, they it's are Jake actually Gyllenhaal. really good friends. Fun fact, Jake Gyllenhaal is the reason we had... Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Cool. Because um, Jake Gyllenhaal worked on something with David Gordon Green and was like, hey, you should do Halloween with him. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that so was easy. thanks for that, Jake. Uh, I got Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal because they were in Knives Out together, Ana de Armas, because she's fantastic. Okay. Marta. Marta. Like Marta a lot. Uh, I want her more stuff. Um, and then, because he's going to be in some upcoming thriller anyway, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yes, let's go. Because Shia LaBeouf does psychological thrillers. Fantastic. Disturbia? That would be... I, I need him back. 
Yeah, why don't, why don't we talk about Disturbia more? That one's really good. Uh, mostly because of all of his life that was surrounding that it at the time. True. Like Eagle Eye. Me, oh, man. Like, but seriously, like, why does nobody talk about Eagle Eye? It's so good. It is good. And later this week, you can watch it for yourself. And I encourage you to do so, folks. Absolutely, my dude. Well, you got a spot for us this week before we get into our main discussion? <clears throat> our episode today is brought to you in part by Baskin Robbins, filling the holes in your heart because you won't. Wow. Baskin Robbins <laughs> always finds out. Yes, they do. <laughs> they always know. All right. So in honor of the what's officially now being called Zack Snyder's Justice League and the potential that we may have Henry Cavill returning as Superman, we decided to go over our top 10 favorite moments so far in the DCEU. Uh, basically anything from Man of Steel to Birds of Prey, excluding Joker because that's not in the universe. Spoiler alert, um, I don't actually have anything from Birds of Prey. Doesn't mean I didn't like it. Birds of Prey to me was like solo. Better than I was expecting, but I don't remember a lot of it coming out of the theater. Yeah, uh, I still need to, to watch it, but I... It's I fine. Haven't... I think you yeah. will enjoy it, but I, I think you wouldn't have anything that would be on your list either. Mainly because there was a lot of stuff from the movies we, we that we've already come out that I that was all fighting for spots. I, I generally, genuinely had to be like, all right, here are all my favorite moments up to this point in no particular order because I, I can't... Yeah. I have a particular order, but getting it to that point was hard. Like, my 10 was not hard. It was, what order do I need them in? That Like, anything from 8 down, I was like, man. Especially my top three, I was like, I, I, mm, pick a favorite child here. <laughs> I mean, some people that wouldn't be hard for. Anyway, um... <laughs> you would know! Yeah, yeah. Oh. How many siblings? I have a list of five. <laughs> oh boy, my mom you're the dead, oldest. Like so you're fine. Yeah, I, I'm the. I mean, I'm. I'm the screw up. So, wow. <laughs> How I many know, others are hosting a podcast, my, though? <laughs> I I know my role in the family. <laughs> no role and shut your mouth. Yep. Oh man. But actually, don't because I need you to go for number ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go – we're going to start going in hot ha, and say one of my favorite moments slash scenes uh, is the treasure hunt in the Sahara from Aquaman. With Pitbull? Okay, outside of the song. Okay, the I was actual, about to say, if you included the Pitbull music, I may have to reconsider <laughs> life choices here. But the whole treasure hunt aspect of, of Aquaman that kind of happens in the middle of the movie is – fantastic and is so much fun i just love how they were able to let jason momoa flex his comedic muscle of should have just peed on it <laughs> I laugh. i'm a child i laugh at that every time because we we're all kind of thinking it but yeah like that's like come on there's easier uh, ways to do this there's a lot of moments in aquaman i'm just like can i just put the whole movie and i don't care what y'all say i love it so much Oh, uh, dude, I, I have yet to meet somebody that's like, oh, I don't like Aquaman. No, I've met somebody that has like a genuine fervent hate for the movie and thinks it's awful. I'm like, 
What? Um, it's a it's a male a fish man that rides a seahorse in a battle while carrying a trident. It's not going to be deep. Oh, so their complaint was there wasn't quote unquote deep enough. No, they just thought it was really dumb and unoriginal. I'm going. Uh, okay. It All was, right. Did well, you enjoy and did you have fun with the movie? <laughs> okay. Good luck with the Snyder cut, there, kid. Anyway, um, no, they hate the Snyder movies too. So I think it was just okay. a personal preference thing. Um, I think I like Aquaman because it reminds me a lot of the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Well, I, I think there's that, and I think Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry is so charismatic. It is so hard to not like him. Jason Even Momoa just where- Jason Momoa is so charismatic. Yes, even like his small bits and pieces in Justice League, it's hard to not like him. Like when he kills the Parademon, uh, this is not on my list, but when he kills the Parademon in the sky and rides the rides it all the way to the ground through a building, like that's so cool. How could you not like that? Also, I know people give crap for the banter, the Justice League, they're just like stupid Joss Whedon jokes trying to make it feel like avengers i still get a big old grin on my face every time cyborg catches aquaman going ride ain't over yet i'm man <laughs> and rides the parademon down a building like a boar oh, it's so cool it's just oh and he's oh i just yeah I, i'm a big fan of jason momoa's aquaman uh so my number 10 does not feature jason momoa's aquaman However, it is the only entry from Suicide Squad. Yes, there's some good stuff in Suicide Squad. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you have anything from Suicide Squad? I forgot about Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's okay. Most people did too. Oh, no. <laughs> but, however, Suicide Squad seemingly has like one scene that even its most ardent haters um, will agree is actually halfway decent. And while I don't love the film, I think that the bar scene when they all talk about what brought them to their choices in life is by far the best thing. Um, yes. When they're I all just like, well, we're all going to die anyway. Might as well have a drink and just kind of if we're going to run away now because we had the chance to. And it's just like, yeah. no, we're bad guys, but we're still going to see this through because if we don't do it, Who who's going to do it? We're going to die either way. We're going to either try and die heroes or Die villains. It's just, yeah. It was the character development that so much of the movie was missing of everyone gets something in that of uh, Will Smith's Deadshot just going, I don't want my daughter to see me as a monster anymore. We get to understand why Diablo is the way he is. And it's even everyone else who are assassins and monsters just look at Diablo and just immediately pity him. Also, any scene with Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang is a win. Oh, it's so good. And his weird unicorn fetish. <laughs> Sneaking a couple beers during the middle of a fight. Get like he runs here. away and you think he's abandoned him forever and it's just so he can get another foster. Yeah. <laughs> it's just oh. wonderful. But that whole bar scene of everyone is like, well, my life's messed up. What have I got to lose? And Harley's got that great line of, we're all ugly on the inside and beautiful on the outside, except for Killer Croc. He's ugly on the outside too. And he's like, screw you, I'm beautiful. <laughs> uh, In a moment that would try to just make it 
as Guardians of the Galaxy as humanly possible. It was a nice, quiet moment in a movie that so desperately needed it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, well, was, since we were talking about the banter, I think I'm going to bring up one of my favorite scenes from Justice League, one of the two. Um, and it takes place during the final fight when things are starting to kind of go downhill a little bit. And then we hear, is this guy still bothering you? And Superman comes out of nowhere and just clocks Stefan Wolf. And it's the best. It's I'm going to talk about it movie. later, but oh, that just warms my heart so much. <laughs> it's, dude, there's so many great moments in that, in that whole final fight, but the, the, is this guy still bothering you line gets me like, as soon as I hear it, I'm like, let's go. It's time. Can that Superman please come back for a movie? Cause <sighs> let's for all the others, like that, that's so cheesy and dumb. Um, guys, Superman, Superman is cheesy and dumb at times. <laughs> like if oh, he man. could Superman would tell dad jokes because <gasps> say it with me he is a dad no I refuse what's wrong with Jonathan I hate Jonathan he's not, not Damien <sighs> yeah but, <laughs> but st- that's still standing Superman is the type of dad to tell dad jokes just because he's that type of grin Supportive dad. Superman is if I was a good person and had superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. None of us are ever that good. No. Because we didn't have chances training. Which is why I think um oh no, you you you, you do one. I'm sorry. I was about to trans uh, segue into another one of mine, but try to do this back and forth kind of thing going on, you know? I'm gonna surprise you here. And have a scene that I think you might think I'll have higher on my list. Um, okay. But I have some issues with it. And it's my first entry with Man of Steel. Oh, wow. And that is the first time Clark flies. Nay, there we go. And dons the suit. I think that scene is fantastic. But there's a couple <laughs> things keeping me from having it higher on my list. Um, I think it's Fair. cool and really well done when Joel's just like, uh, this is the House of L. On our world, it means hope and gives Superman the suit. And then Superman learns to fly for the first time. I have issues with the fact that there's no narrative reason why, one, Clark is wearing the suit to begin with, and two, why he's flying. Yeah. Like, if he was in... Sh- okay, and I've heard this rewrite before and I completely agree. Imagine if Clark was in his street clothes... In the Battle of Smallville. And then after that fight, he has to find a way to distinguish himself from the Kryptonians that are destroying the planet. And that's when he wears the Superman suit. It's the colors that would immediately make him go, okay, this guy's in color while everyone else is in black. Let He's clearly on our side. As opposed to if he's in street clothes, it's going to be easier to think they're together or just kind of lump them together. Um, yeah, so, I would agree. There's no reason for him to wear the suit. As great as that suit looked, also I think it could use a little bit more color, but that's something that clearly they were building up towards. Um, the flying scene is fantastic. Um, the music is phenomenal. As much as I love the original Superman score by Don Williams, Hans Zimmer did a fantastic job with his own version of it, and I think the music was phenomenal. I just think that scene is just kind of there to show Superman fly for the first time, and that's it. Like, it does 
looking at the narrative of the movie, it does kind of pause to go, okay, we need to have him doing some Supermaning before we transition it to some other stuff. Um, or else that would be higher on my list because I think that scene is really, really well done. And Henry Cavill's perfect because he's showing the genuine enthusiasm and excitement that any one of us would have if we discovered we could fly for the first time. I think it's yeah. excellent. Uh, I think it's shot a little weird at times um, with the like, really rapid zoom-ins. I think are a bit odd. And not, again, I've said it before, I'm not a huge fan of Zack Snyder's color palette. And I think that really hurts this scene. Because it's like, yeah, you're flying above the clouds and the sun. Why are the colors still muted? Why has it still got this weird Instagram sepia filter over it? But <laughs> as a whole, it's still fantastic of, yes, Superman is here flying around, saving the, well, I was about to say saving the world, but he's not in that scene. But it's good intro level for the Superman. But it's not the last time we'll see Man of Steel on my list, of course. Absolutely not. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and bring out one of my uh one of my man of steels and what's what's crazy is i actually really really i can't say enjoy because of the moment but i really appreciate this moment in man of steel uh, and i'm i'm going to be talking about the next the next snap really yes because to me it shows that this is a very rookie Superman. Okay, I want you to keep going in a second, but it's an argument that I've had to defend for years now of, I'm not a fan of the collateral damage in Man of Steel. However, if you look at the movie, it was literally Superman's second day on the job. Yes. Cut him a break. Go on. But yeah, that's exactly the reasoning I, I have with this is like people are like, oh, but Superman doesn't kill. I'm like, yeah, but he's literally never been in a fight like this before. He's still learning his his abilities. He's still learning what he's capable of. He and like he's somebody's about to, this like Zod's about to literally vaporize these people like who Superman that, does not know. Uh, he, he he has no other real choice. Yeah, it it was a scene that I was conflicted with the first time I saw it. And the more I watch it, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I understand what it's going for and I don't hate it anymore. It yes. I understand what Zack Snyder's going for. It's not bad. It's not good. I'm I'm neutral on it, but I understand the significance of it. And again, he's more or less a rookie Superman. Yes. It's not an excuse for Batman the, versus Superman, though. I think the big thing, too, that, that really makes me not hate it at all is that he basically starts crying as soon as he does it. Like, he he knows what how significant it is that he, he just... He le- legitimately just killed someone. Not just killed ends, someone. Killed the last of his race that he knows of. Exactly. So like, it's, he he had and he had no other choice, or felt like he had no other choice. So it, it's it shows instant remorse because he like there wasn't really a, uh, any other choice, and I, I think that's why I appreciate it so much. Like he said, it's not a perfect moment; it's not the best, but it's definitely something that I think in a steel goes overlooked and something that people will just say, well, Superman doesn't kill. So that moment Superman's is wrong. Superman's killed more people than Batman has. 
What? No way. Um, let's also, for those people that are still like, think the Christopher Reeves movies are like the end all be all for Superman. He killed Zod in Superman too. Yeah. Because in, in a lot of Just it is because he didn't see it on screen doesn't mean he didn't kill him in cold blood. The very existence of the Phantom Zone is really hard to explain to people that don't understand, that don't read comics. And it's, to me, something that's very problematic. Even though it's still technically there. Yeah. Like they sent Feyora there, which bring her back. She was the best thing. I I just, I don't understand. It's, it would be, I don't know, dude. I feel like, it, it would be the equivalent of putting villains in jail and then breaking out all the, like they do in Arkham. the shows all the time. I th- Especially with somebody that was being as destructive as Zod was in Man of Steel, you couldn't just be like, all right, we arrest you now. Fair enough. Um, my number eight is a moment that you might not be expecting from Wonder Woman of all movies. Oh, I think this is on my list too. It is not the moment that you're thinking of. I'm sure of it. I don't know. It is the campfire scene. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't the one I was expecting. (laughs) I know. The scene you're thinking of is later. It's much higher on my list. I feel like this scene definitely gets overlooked, but it goes a long way, not just in getting us to care about Diana, but everyone in her crew. The Howling Commandos. Um, because she going into the very next scene after this, which I'm sure will be on our list later, wink, yeah. wink. Um, she's still kind of coming into the war very naive, going, the war is Ares' fault. The war is Ares' fault, and nothing is wrong with humanity whatsoever. Humanity is perfect. And then we come to this campfire scene where you have Chris Pine, who is the, let's just call him the lawful good of, like, does bad things for good reasons. Then you've got the thief, who um, is more or less an assassin, but for good reason, who doesn't particularly play a particular side. Then you've got the redhead with serious PTSD, which I applaud how this movie treats PTSD, uh, but I'll get to that in a second. And then you've got uh, Chief, who really has no side in the war because he's just like, my people got their land taken away. So it's easier to not take sides. And one of them was like, well, who took your land? He did. Well, his people took my land and he points to Chris Pine's character. It gives these characters more more depth and complex, pl- complexity to them. So before we get to the big epicness that we will get to later, we have reason to care about these people. And then when the redhead Charlie wakes up from his nightmare... Uh, like visions of things that have happened in the past because being a sniper, he's killed a lot of people and that's a lot of blood on his hands. He like freaks out and Wonder Woman's like, what, what's wrong? Let me help you. And he like immediately tries to like brush her off and not show any sign of weakness of like, I'm sure that's the first time she's ever seen anything like PTSD. So when later um, He's considering just going back home. She's like, well, who's going to play music for us? And you're just like, oh, she still she still accepts him because I love that at no point in the movie is his PTSD ever fixed. 
Like, yes. they had that really easy moment that they could have fixed it when there's a sniper in the bell tower. They could have just had Charlie shoot the guy in the tower, and he's like, okay, you're fine now. He still freaks out, and he can't shoot the guy because he's had so much trauma in his past, so Wonder Woman takes care of it for him. They don't look down on him because of his past fears or experiences. They still accept him for who he is, and I'm like, that's an element to characters that we don't see a whole lot, and PTSD is really a big deal that a lot of people struggle with that isn't often shown in movies. And I thought that was really outstanding, really, really tastefully done. What's crazy is I think Wonder Woman does better storytelling than I would argue most of the Marvel universe. And there's a big moment for that later, but it's very high on my list. So I don't want to talk about it yet. And yeah, without going into it, it's it's that moment that you think. <laughs> oh, I know. That moment is also on my list. Yep. Um, but, um, what's your next uh, one? Number seven, we, I think. You know, you, we haven't talked about Shazam at all yet. And I feel, so I feel like I'm going to bring in a moment there. Uh, I'm close to it. We're close to my sh- first Shazam moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have more than one, too. Okay, cool. I have two Shazams. Um, Jeez, what is up with our lists? Okay, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, one of my favorite moments from Shazam is the scene where he finally finds his mom. Uh, what is wrong with you, man? You're getting all the hard stuff. <laughs> and, it, and because to me, like that's that was that's a huge turning point. Very. It's it's where he realizes, okay, maybe this dream or this thing that I have been chasing my entire life doesn't actually matter and, or, you know, doesn't actually define who I am. And now this character, this this superhero in Shazam is who I am. So it's like this huge turning point where he realizes he's somehow more grown up than his mom and than his birth mother. And somehow He's better off without her, even though he spent his entire life like searching for her because he felt need for her. It's he like it's this very serious burn. moment, dude. It, it 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 makes everything feel earned, and then it it it's a very serious moment in an otherwise very fun and lighthearted film. He gives her the burn when he gives her back the compass. He's like. I think you need it more than I do to find your way. And I'm going, dang. <laughs> Oof. Get him, Barry. <laughs> Barry? Isn't it Barry? Billy. Barry Batson. Oh, my goodness. Billy Batson. Barry Allen. Okay, that's not... Okay, anyway. So you haven't moving been dropping on, your head uh, in a while, have you? Yeah, no. It's, it's, I, just, I, don't, I just don't sleep often. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But also, um, it's a detail that goes overlooked a lot, but I've watched a lot of David F. Sandberg, the director's um, commentary stuff. Also, for those that are curious about filmmaking at all, David F. Sandberg, the guy that did Shazam, has his own YouTube channel called Pony Smasher, where he puts all horror short films that he does with his wife in his free time that he still does, even though he makes big-budget movies. Um, So he was talking about that scene with the mom, and if you watch him side-by-side of his memory versus her recollection— it's completely different of in his memory. It's a bright, clear, 
sunny day. She's wearing a white hat and white gloves, pristine. In the actual memory of what happened, it's an overcast day. Her color palette is darker and more bleak. Like he actually remembers it happier, more cheerful than it actually was because he's so idolized that moment and trying to find his mom and trying to more or less put his mom on a pedestal, even though she really wasn't worthy of it. Oh, yeah. That's also, crazy. honorable mention is not on my list, but it's kind of a continuation of your scene is when he gives the little girl the stuffed tiger, the thing that hurt him for so long, he then uses as a strength to comfort and help others. Yes. Ah, let's go. Like you didn't physically have Tony the tiger, but you, you had the spirit. I'll give you that. Yes. Oh, Shazam is a- wonderful. I love it so much. It's so good. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't deserve the fact that people like don't pay attention to it. It it still did okay enough to warrant a sequel. That's all we care about right now. And I'll get back to it in just a little bit. But for right now, at number seven, it's my one and only thing from BVS because at least some good came from Batman versus Superman. And yes, I said that on the record. And it's the only thing from Batman versus Superman that's on my list. The death of Superman. No, I'm kidding. I hate that so much. It makes no sense at all. Why didn't Wonder Woman use the spear? Um, And why didn't he just literally turn his body slightly? Also, why is he the one that has to go in the water to get it? Even though Nothing makes sense. Yeah. It was Zack Snyder going, well, I had to kill him anyway. Did you? No, you did you, Zack? Um, But no, it's a moment that I'm sure for a fact, is on Josh's list somewhere, if he has anything from Batman versus Superman. And that is the Batman warehouse fight. Yeah, boy! Let's go! And also, <laughs> Asterisk, um, I am referring to the theatrical version and not the director's cut on this, because in the director's cut, it's made very clear that Batman is murdering some fools in this scene. <laughs> like I when mean, he throws a though- crate at some guy's head and it more or less cracks open. I mean, granted, even in the theatrical release, it's hard to not think that some of these these guys, if they're not dead, they're paralyzed for life. Yes, I'm going with the scene of when he breaks through the bottom to when he clears the room and not the subsequent scene where he puts KG Beast on fire. Because <laughs> Batman doesn't kill. He also pulls the trigger to set a man on fire. <laughs> He'll be fine. But no, the warehouse fight was literally just, hey, that combat in Arkham City looks like it could work in a movie. Control C, Control V, you have an action set piece. And it's it's like I think you and I have said this before. It's the most Batman Batman we've ever gotten. Because not only is it great hand to hand, but it's also gadgetry. Of okay, we got to take out all the guns first. Video game logic. Um, then you have people with knives and hand-to-hand and multiple fighting styles. It was just int- integration of weapons with com- uh, with the combat. It was just so well done. And that bat suit, though. That bat suit, boy. And sassy Alfred is sassy. <laughs> I think I like Justice League Alfred more. <laughs> That's the big sadness is we won't get more Jeremy Irons, Alfred. Oh, yeah, unfortunate, but... <gasps> however, however, with this Zack Snyder's Justice League, there's another positive that I'm just now remembering. We get more J.K. Simmons as Gordon 
<gasps> yes, that makes me happy. Okay, let's that was, go. That was something I was looking forward to. So we at least get some of that. But yeah, that That's, warehouse okay. fight is still probably the best action in a Batman movie because as much as I like the Nolan movies, watching them years later, the choreography is awful. It really is. <laughs> he doesn't fight. Like he just does. does yeah, whatever. And that's still a large improvement from the Keaton movies, which yes, those movies are fun, but it's hard for Batman to fight when he can't move his neck. Which is joked about in uh dark Knight when he's like, yep. I want to be able to turn. Because all Keaton does, because that's all he can do, is block and kick. Yep. Like Spartan front kick. Yeah. Hey, that's a fun kick to do. Anyway. What's your number six? Uh, Well, I mean, that was on my list as well. So that covers that. that. Um, Is that your number six then? Yeah, let's go. Let's see. Yeah, that's my number six. All right. Bro, that scene is so much fun. (laughs) I'll do my number six then. And here's where I will do my first of two Shazams. The scene that we saw to death in all the trailers, but it didn't take away from how fun it was in the movie itself. And that's when Billy tries to buy beer from the gas station. Yeah. The gas station is just the epitome of why the movie works of big with superpowers of, I like to buy some of your finest beer, please. And then when the criminals come in, he immediately hides behind Freddy. Yeah, and, he's, and Freddy's like, hey, aren't you the hero? And he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, my bad. And then they shoot him, he's like, oh, that was fun. And Freddy's <laughs> like, that's cool, you're bulletproof. But they didn't, they shot you in the chest, so we don't know if your um, skin is bulletproof. Shoot him in the face. Yeah, shoot me in the face. Wait, what? <laughs> and then they shoot him it's in the face, the which that scene got ruined for me with how it should have ended, of the crooks just shoot Freddy instead. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I'm a crook, I'm not listening to the kid. I'm just going to get the kid. I would also never, like, if someone told me to shoot them in their in the face, I would never do that. Like, yeah. that's... Like, that, it's, <laughs> it's just dumb fun. So he just immediately is like, oh, that kind of tickled, and you're dead. Immediately throws him out the window with Christmas lights because Shazam is a Christmas movie, dang it. Um, <laughs> so they have their celebratory beer, and like the kids that they are, don't realize beer is an acquired taste. <laughs> yes, it is. And they both throw up and they're like, that tastes like actual vomit. And then what I call, they got food for road trip because if you look at all the snacks they're carrying, it's like the same exact snacks that you get on a road trip because it doesn't matter how old you are. When you're going on a road trip, everyone acts like they're 12-year-olds with a $100 spending budget. I mean... I don't didn't need you to call me out that way, but okay. It's always chips, jerky, and bad food. Bro, listen. The best thing about road trips is getting the snacks the night before. <laughs> I don't need you to call me out about my obsession with frosted donuts on a road trip, okay? I'm more of a jerky... Per- yeah, okay, donuts too. <laughs> yeah, so how far away is Tennessee that. from Florida road trip-wise? <laughs> oh, we're gonna I'm, I'll have so many snacks dude it's gonna be fun snack time snack also, time just, as someone that was went to school in Illinois I appreciate it in the background there was a Friel machine <laughs> they had a Friel milkshake which those are so good they're deceivingly good like not fair how good they were 
but that gas station, yes. yes, it got played to death on trailers, but it didn't take away anything from the movie yeah. itself, and it was still so much fun and just was Shazam Absolutely. at its core. Honorable mention to the big reference. Yes. Also, um, as much as I love Mark Strong as Dr. Savannah, how great would it have been if he was Lex Luthor? Oh, man. I know now you're sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because our Lex Luthor is Jesse Eisenberg. I, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets recast if we do get another Superman movie. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Let's Number five. Number five. Number five. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in hot with uh, I have to do a blanket on this. Um, literally all of Jonathan Kent's speeches from Man of, Man of Steel. Are you serious? Yes, absolutely. That is my number five too, but a specific yeah. speech. <laughs> That's awesome. A specific <laughs> one because I want to agree with you that all of them are good. Okay. Um, also, side note, really quickly. I don't get the placement of some of his speeches in the movie. Yeah, some of them are not good. Uh, they're not placed right. Of There's that one of just like, good character or bad, you're going to change the world. Why is that scene after he dies? Yeah. that mm, It's I a good scene, the, but it's odd that it takes place then. I considering that takes place means- after you told Clark, as an adult, don't use your powers. I think I'm going to go with uh, the one that's – I'm trying to remember them specifically. Uh, I, the one that's – because he had, there's one that involved in the, the tornado scene, isn't there? No, there's no speech. Well, there's more or less saying like, you should be a farmer. Farming helps people. And Clark's like, you're not my dad. You're not my dad. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm trying to I can't I feel so bad because I put this on my list and now I can't think of anything specifically tag team because I think I know where you want to go with this go for it take it off my man so I hate the one speech that I don't like actually is like the scene right before the scene that we're going to talk about the scene that I hate is when he's sitting on the truck and he's like what was I supposed to do just let him die and Pa Kent's like Maybe. Like, no! In what <laughs> circumstances letting kids die okay? <laughs> but then that scene immediately is followed by, hands down, the most emotional part of the whole movie of, you were sent here for a reason, Clark. Good character or bad? You owe it to yourself to find out what kind of man you're meant to be. Even if it means uh, looking at the rest of your life. Um, as much as I love you, it pains me to say you were somebody else's son. Um, and he's just like, can I keep pretending I'm your son? It's like, you are my son. And you're just like, oh, that hits too hard. It hits way too hard. But like, Paul Kent is like the quintessential dad. Except in Man of Steel, he's got at times some bad or misguided advice. Yeah. It's- hey, let some kids die. It's Okay. <laughs> or hey, you I don't have to help. be here if you don't want to. Um, what? I, I see, but I think he was, and you know me, I, I like to try to find, figure out where he's coming from on here. 
but I, I think, especially with the tag line of you don't have to be a hero if you don't want to be, I, I think he was trying to let Clark come. He knew Clark was going to be a hero eventually, but he wanted him to come about it naturally and not like feel like, oh, you know, great power comes great, great responsibility. You know what I mean? Like he, he wanted Clark to be okay with just being normal. Agreed. And that whole that whole emotional scene of I am still your father no matter what and I still love you that that's fantastic. Um, that's it for Man of Steel for me. But I actually have two quick honorable mentions that are more just quick in passing stuff. That's great. I love the quick little visuals at the um, Clark farm of like the swing, but especially of Kid Clark with the cape and the dog. Mm. Wait, you mean the Brightburn um, yeah. promo stuff? Yeah, before. <laughs> Brightburn became would be terrible. Uh, my other favorite one is, I don't know if it was an accident or on purpose, the best reference to Christopher Reeve in the whole movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a shot when Henry Cavill is facing the, um, what's the machine that terraforms the Earth? I know the world engine. Um, there's a scene when he's looking up and about to fly into the world engine and there's a close-up of his face and for like a split second, his face actually transforms into Christopher Reeves because Henry Cavill looks so much like him. Oh, that's crazy. Like I'll send you a that. screenshot. It, no joke. It genuinely looks like Christopher Reeves in the modern Superman suit. That's crazy. Because like the pressure is hitting his face, like raising his cheekbones and stuff. But it, I was like, holy crap, that's Christopher Reeve. That's wild, dude. It was, it was like, you can never tell me Henry Cavill wasn't perfect casting after this. <laughs> yeah. It's just nuts. Um, I'll go next for number four because yeah. it continues to tie into this theme uh, because the whole sin here for a reason with Jonathan Kent is essentially just Superman and his earthly family. My number four, again, continues that theme of family with the ending of Shazam with yeah! the Shazamily. <laughs> That's my number four, boy. Yeah, boy. Three for three. We are three for three. <laughs> yeah, boy. The Shazamily. I just wish I had the same experience as you because you didn't know going into the movie. I unfortunately... Dude. I didn't seek out spoilers, but it still got spoiled for me anyway that the Shazamly was getting their powers. Oh, I was so, yeah, because I did not get that ruined for me. And it, it, when it happens, it was one of those like, no way are they doing this. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, I popped so hard. I'm not going to lie. Also, the first time I watched Shazam, I got, I choked up a little bit with Freddy because as we know he's uh, the one that can't walk too well and he's got a slight disability so he's the first one that learns how to fly yeah and he's like oh dude oh that's and so he's good everything he wanted to be more than anything he's noticed now yes he is and you're like oh everyone's just but they're all still the same kids that you love for most of the movie Darla is still just Darla. I think we should kick these guys' butts. 
<laughs> I, and I think that's what I, I liked the most about it. It about Shazam in general, like it was an obvious effort from the adult actors to act exactly like their child counterparts. And they nailed it. Like they didn't act like actors. They acted like kids that just got superpowers that you could totally relate to. Like still to this day, I fully relate to and identify with Eugene when he's got the powers and he Dukins the um, seventh <laughs> sin. Yes. And he actually says to Dukin, I'm like, okay, you can't make the joke that we were all going to make. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it also just felt earned because the whole movie, well, it's not a family movie in the sense that like everyone could watch it, but they probably could. It's a movie about family. So having them all become a super family at the end really was a great payoff. Oh, I, I agree. It's, and it's something that, I mean, cause the, like you said, it's not technically, it's not a quote unquote family movie, but it's all building to Billy <laughs> finding a new family. And then what that means for Shazam to have a family as well. Also, they set it up throughout the whole movie because if you look carefully, Everyone is wearing their colors throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Like, I think it's Pedro is wearing green. Darla's always wearing purple. Uh, Mary's always wearing red. Although Mary didn't look that much older. No. I think Pe uh, Pedro, uh, is it Pedro or is it Oscar? Uh, he's my favorite. I think it's Pedro. I'm not sure. Uh, but he's 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 my favorite of them because he's like he turns into like Latin heartthrob. It's hilarious. I think my favorite by far, besides Billy himself, is uh, the foster dad. Yes, I wanted to hug that man. He was wonderful. Oh, he's like when he so thinks he good. just exploded the Christmas light. I I just tried to put up a decoration. <laughs> oh my goodness he's so but good he didn't feel like a movie character he felt like a person trying to help a kid same with same with the the wife yes like they, they generally genuinely felt like two people just trying to love these kids and like the ptsd thing with wonder woman i thought it was really cool how they shine such a positive light on foster families Yes. Of like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that after seeing Shazam consider doing a foster family, which that's a great thing for a movie to encourage people to do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a very positive message. And I, I'm really glad DC throughout their movies have had these like really positive moments on things that at times can get overlooked in the superhero genre. I mean, you know, it's not all capes and superpowers all the time, man. And yeah. I think DC is starting to really uh, be okay with having those moments. It's the human moments. That, that's why we care about these characters for over 80 years. Yes. But, excuse me, for every, uh, like, really heart-touching heart moment, there are equally as many heroic moments Yep, that's my last three are all just yeah. epic hero shots going, oh, I'm in my happy place. Nice. Um, I got one Wonder Woman, one Aquaman, and one uh, Justice League. Same! 
Rock on, dude. So let's see how this shakes out. Okay. Because it might be the same top three in order. (laughs) Hey, man, we're three for three right now. This is hilarious. I didn't think this would happen. Oh, I thought it might happen, but I'm glad we have at least some variety here. (laughs) Yes. Um, So number three for me is the opening Wonder Woman scene in Justice League. Really? I Not where I thought this was going. Fantastic. We have variety. (laughs) <laughs> it is genuinely one of my favorite scenes in that movie like as soon as she gets into the room and the first shot is fired and you see her just kind of casually step to the side as, as it misses i'm just like oh it is on here we go <laughs> literally my only complaint with the whole scene is i wish it was some villain that we knew, even if it was a throwaway character, like a clock King or something. Yes. I, I would agree a with that guy with a hat is kind of disappointing. It is, but I do like the joke that is made when she wraps, she gets the guy in the lasso of truth and she's like, who are you? And like, we're just reactionary terrorists. <laughs> also. And I can never harp on this enough. I love that. That was our opening because Holy crap, there's color and there's not a weird filter over this movie. I know it's Dude. a personal preference, but yeah, it felt like a comic book. It did, especially the scene with her standing on the statue, like right right at the beginning of that moment. Lady of Justice League is standing on the Lady of Justice. Yes. Like, let's go. Ugh. Ugh. So good. Um, my number three, from Aquaman. Nice. The King has returned. This suit-up scene. Oh, yeah? When he gets his armor, I squealed with delight. Because for years before Aquaman had come out, I was a big Aquaman defender because I had read the New 52 Jeff Johns run, which is fantastic, of everyone making jokes, looking at you, Big Bang Theory, for people that supposedly think they know the source material, Big Bang Theory, make fun of it a lot. But it was like cool for a long time to make fun of Aquaman. Oh, he talks to fish. And then, oh, he's got a really weird uh, costume of bright gold and bright green pants. I'm like, just trust me. He's cool. And then as soon as they cast Jason Momoa, I was like, oh, I'll accept your apologies now, people. Because <laughs> you're going to enjoy this. And then the whole movie's fun. But then... He's got that confrontation with Julie Andrews Kraken. Um, and he finds out he's worthy. And he comes out in literally the perfect Aquaman suit. There's nothing you changed about that at all. You went absolutely insane with it. Went all out, but you made it work. Like, I still get chills to this day seeing Aquaman on the big screen looking like Aquaman. Dude, it, it literally, I I remember seeing it in the theaters and going, no way are they doing this. No way. Like, it's so cool. And it leads me great into my number two, because my number two is uh, the Aquaman. Um, it's Actually, the final the scene. Are fantastic. Aquaman, Ocean Master, Black Manta. Oh, but so the final fight on the on the submarine, when like it's like the final fight, like they're getting ready to go, and Jason Momoa is is given given his little speech, and he just keeps cutting into like 
the, into the middle of a, like a Samoan haka, like midway yeah, through speech. I love the haka. Oh, dude. And then the way that he like, uh, with he everything's getting ready. Ocean Masters like does his pose and Aquaman hits it, boom, spins it, and then holds it backwards. Like, who are you? That's not how people hold a trident, but it's so cool. And then doesn't kill Ocean Master. Yes. And play on the trope of, well, he's a villain. He gets killed off after one movie. Like, no, he's his stepbrother. We're going to keep him alive and work out our family issues. We know that's not going to happen, Loki. But it's the thought that counts. <laughs> also, I appreciate the attention to detail of Orm destroyed Arthur underwater in the Ring of Fire. So what does Arthur yes. do? He brings the fight technically on land. Yes. Because he well, knows that's where he at least has the advantage. Yes, absolutely. Also, someone pointed it's, out it's, that when Volko trained him as a kid, he taught him on the ocean shore, so in the middle of the water and the land. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just so good because you get the full effect of that suit when the when that sun ro- uh, sunset hits it. Also, honorable mention to the final shot of the movie when he's just like, I am the protector of the deep. I am the ruler of the ocean. I am the Aquaman. Comes out of the ocean, you're just like, that's a comic book cover right there. <laughs> it's so great. I, I might go and watch it tonight if I have time, but it's <laughs> so good. Also, it's, it's probably one of the best looking uh, DC movies on 4K. Just chef's kiss. Well, and I mean, it, it, it helps that James Wan knows what he's doing when it comes to creature designs. Yes, the trench is fantastic. Yes. So, so what's your number two then, bud? My number two, I'll say this without hyperbole, is the single most important scene in the DCEU because it was the single biggest pivot point for the franchise, I think. Okay. Well, it's not my favorite. It's a very close second. I think it's more important than my number one, but it's still not my favorite, just barely. And it's a scene from Wonder Woman. Okay, cool. The No Man's Land scene. Yeah, okay. So let's go ahead and tie in your number two and number, my, my number one then. <laughs> is that, yeah, that's your number one? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is my number two because like I said, this to me was the pivot point of the entire DC universe because Man of Steel, while we like it, is pretty bleak and pessimistic. I always say it's Superman zero year. It's like this is... Before he's Superman. He hasn't gotten to be Superman yet. Batman versus Superman is incredibly sad and depressing. Wonder Woman comes along. It has color. It's bright. Then when she leaves Themyscira, it's bleak. But that's because it's bleak for a story reason and not just for an artistic style. And people are like, well, it was for a story reason in Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. No, it's because Zack Snyder likes bleak, drab color palettes. He always has. That's fine. It's his artistic style. It just doesn't work for me. Um... Wonder Woman, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie up until this point. This was my pivot point of going, okay, this is something special. And then rewatches, I liked the campfire scene more and everything else around it. Um, But this was the scene that DC so, so desperately needed. It was characters telling Diana, you can't do this, you can't do this, not because you're a woman, but this is not how we help people. And she's like, this is why I was sent here. This is why I am here to help. And 
it's what Superman should be, and I think we'll get there eventually. Um, it is a character saying, I am here to help as many people as I can because I've been gifted with these abilities. So she steps on the battlefield, and this is the first time we see her fully in the suit, in color, and standing out on her own, above, literally above everyone else, to save them. The music by Rupert Gregson Williams is phenomenal. It's the best music in the whole movie. It just stirs the emotion within you. You're going, okay, there's this hero that's being the beacon of hope for everyone else and saving the day and encouraging and inspiring those around her. I love that, yes, she's kicking butt and being Wonder Woman is fantastic. But at a certain point, she's stopped by a machine gun. She can't move forward. And then the people, because of the campfire scene that we talked about earlier, she's built up the relationship with. They come alongside her and help her. So it's a hero that inspired those around them. And in turn, the people help the hero. So she pushes forward. And then everyone else that's been caught in the trenches comes running up when she's cleared the path. That is what a hero in the DC universe should be. Someone that inspires everyone around them to be better, to be braver, to be bolder. It's the pivot point. It's it's what DC was missing so far. An actual hero doing something that's right because they know it's the right thing to do and they don't let no be an answer. It's not like, well, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Diana's told for the whole first half, you can't do this for this out of the other reason. She's like, screw that, I'm doing this. Because it's the right thing to do, and we need to help these people. It's what DC was missing. And from that point on, we've kind of had that heroic nature from then on out. That's why I would say it's not my favorite moment, but it's the most important moment in the DC universe. I literally couldn't say it better myself. Like, it's it's such an important moment in the film. It's an important mo- moment for the DCEU. Um, while I agree that Superman should be the one doing those things, I think Wonder Woman's character in general, like comic book otherwise, needed that kind of moment to really connect with today's audience. Because otherwise, she's just a really cool Amazonian princess. And they never that, they never make the scene, uh, quote-unquote, girl power scene, like when Chris yes. Pine tells her, it means no man can cross it. I'm glad they didn't go with like some cheese line of, well, I am no man. She just goes, well, it's what I came here to do. So let's get this done. Yes. I love that. And it, I love that it didn't, it's not, she's not doing it because she's a woman and she could, she's strong. Right. Hear me roar. Although those are all good themes to have. She's doing it because she's, it's the right thing to do. And while she's doing it, eventually she's not the only one doing it because she's inspired those around her. And that's essentially what the role of heroes in the DC universe or in comic books are supposed to be. They're supposed to be inspiring. That's why Superman is the beacon of hope. He's supposed to be the best of us. That's something that's bothered me so much with Zack Snyder because he just wants to keep beating him down because he thinks hope is cheesy and outdated. I'm like, just because you like dour characters, that's fine. But that doesn't really work for the one character that's supposed to be hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, like you absolutely. Can have, Wonder Woman showed you can have a bleak and pessimistic world around them, but you need your main character to be the light and the anchor. 
Oh, absolutely. And No so Man's Land is just, just that scene. Uh-huh. So now I'm super curious as to what your number one is. Really? You're curious? Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm actually kind of ashamed of you that you can't guess this. I probably won't be surprised, but... <laughs> Let's give you the context. It's the movie that, for some reason, a lot of fans hate. But while it's not my favorite DC Universe movie, it's up there because it has one of my favorite finales and ever. When oh, so Justice Steppenwolf it's from Justice League. When Steppenwolf has more or less beaten every Justice Leaguer down, or at least held them in limbo, and he goes, "You're all too weak to see the truth." And you hear a voice from off screen go, well, I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice and just punches the ever living crap out of Steppenwolf. And it is the Superman that we've been missing and needing since Man of Steel. It is the perfect Superman. It ties into your earlier point with the um, Superman. Is this guy bothering you? Because that's fantastic. And basically, when Superman joins the final fight till the end is the Superman that we've needed for so long of the cheesy one-liners after he punches Steppenwolf. Also, love the slow-mo where Steppenwolf misses the punch and Superman just decks him. Um, he immediately flies to Batman and goes, how do I help? He doesn't try and control the situation because he knows at the end of the day, Batman is the ringleader of the Justice League. Superman has never tried to be the one in charge. It's always been Batman. He immediately asks, how can I help? Because that's what Superman is supposed to be. Someone that helps. And he's like, Barry's trying to get these people. Um, and he cuts Batman off. He's like, civilians. Because he values human life more than anything else. And he wants to save people. So he finally catches up to Barry. Slow poke. The fun banter that he has with all the league. That's the Superman we've been missing. Holy crap. He's actually got color in his suit. And optimism. And what's the H word? Hope. He's actually acting like freaking Superman. Yes, it's a little ridiculous. He lifted a whole apartment complex that somehow didn't fall apart, but it's a cool visual. Um, <laughs> it's a hilarious visual, if anything. And it, the, still that great line of, is this guy still bothering you? Because that is absolutely something um, that Superman would say. And it beats the crap out of Steppenwolf. That great visual of him just tossing him to the side. And even to a later extent in the end credit scene when he races Barry, even though some of the CGI in that looks a little wonky. It's still very, it's still a very good scene, absolutely. But yeah, As a it's, Superman fan, uh, it's not the best moment. I fully understand that. But of all DC moments in any of the current DCEU movies, it's the one that I've watched the most, hands down, because I can see it a hundred times. It'll still bring a smile to my face going, that's the Superman we've been missing so far. And who knows? Maybe Zack Snyder had something like that planned of when Superman comes back to life, that's when he becomes hopeful and optimistic. So, you know what? I'll give Zack Snyder the benefit of the doubt, and we will see. The jury's still out on that. But for now, that is hands down my favorite moment in the DCEU because it's the Superman that we've needed. It's the Superman that the world, the movie world of the DCEU and our real world has needed so badly. And it was, even if it was brief it made the rest of the interesting production that was Justice League worth it for me just to see that. Yeah, absolutely. That that whole, and I think that's the thing about Justice League is 
everything leading up to that last 30, 15 minutes is slow and it it's a little tiresome at some points. But once you get to that point, you're like, oh, we're on. And this is like exactly what the Justice League I, I, is. Maybe I've been watching too much cinema wins lately, but at the end of the day, did it make, did you enjoy the movie and did that movie make you happy? If so, then it's a good movie in your book and that's awesome. That's how Justice League is for me. There's a lot of flaws. Absolutely. Can you tell it's a Frankenstein of a production? Totally. I still really enjoy it, flaws and all, and you will never convince me otherwise. Um, We will see if Snyder's version is better. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm curious, but... I will never discredit the work Joss Whedon did. I see a lot of people crapping on his work already, but excuse me, I would like to see you completely rework a movie in under six months because the studio mandated you to do it and do any better than he did. Absolutely. Like, he did a Herculean, almost impossible task. Is it perfect? No. You couldn't have done any better. Correct. Like... He basically was brought on in February for a movie to come out in November. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you can do a Batgirl movie that in no way is a cover for you being hired on to direct this movie. <laughs> but and in no way. Let us know in the comments below. What are some of your favorite moments from the DCEU so far from Man of Steel to Justice League to... Suicide Squad, I guess, to Shazam, Aquaman. Let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, uh, whether it's Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp with you guys and gals.